Welcome to the Hyper Guy Motivational Podcast. I'm sorry I have not put a podcast out in a couple of weeks and I've been very, very busy with a lot of things that are going on in my life. But I'm so, so happy that I have Mr. Marco Hurtado here. He is a huge TikTok and Instagram, uh, uh, very famous in this in, in the in social media world and Instagram world. So Marco is a retired CPA mm-hmm. uh, after 23 years of working at Pfizer. He has a master's in accounting. And as I said, he on Instagram, he's got 170,000 followers. On TikTok, he's almost got a million. <laughs> so Marco is pretty amazing. He is He's got to he's got to tell you about his dance career, his jiu-jitsu career. He is a, a a Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt and a world traveler. Marco, I have to tell you, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for inviting me, Martin. I'm uh, super psyched to be on this program. Well, I have to tell you, you have so much energy, and um, and I appreciate you because I reached out to you and you immediately got back to me, and and your energy is, and I think this is why you have so many TikTok followers and Instagram followers. You just have great energy about you, and I don't think that I've seen any of your videos where you weren't smiling when you were dancing and you just, some of the things that you talk about just are very inspirational. And that's really why I wanted to have you on here. And can you tell me where you were born and raised? Sure. I, I was born in Ecuador um, and I moved here when I was like four months old. My my father was studying at Washington University. So I uh, moved here. Don't remember that, obviously. Uh, but I lived there for like about seven years in Missouri and then moved to North Carolina, Chapel Hill, North Carolina in the 70s, and then uh, down to South Florida in the 80s. And I lived there, went to school in Florida, University of Florida, and then worked out of Miami for a while. And then I said, okay, I, I want to go to a bigger city. So I uh, moved to New York City and, um, and then kind of been in the Northeast ever since. I'm in New Jersey right now. And let me ask you, what was your childhood like? Did you have any brothers and sisters? And what was your relationship like with your, with your parents? Yeah, sure. Uh, the uh, So um, we grew up here kind of as an island uh, because we didn't have any relatives here. So we grew up uh, a little bit uh, differently because back in the 70s and 80s, there weren't as many uh, Latinos here in, in the U.S. and especially uh, in St. Louis and then North Carolina where I grew up. So I, I was definitely the oddball always. Um, it was uh, even speaking Spanish with my parents, everyone just stopped. Like if we were in the mall or something like that, they'd just stare at us because they really hadn't heard it then. Um, so it was ve- it was very different, I think, to what it is now. I have two younger brothers. Uh, one is five and one is 10 years younger than me. So we never kind of really overlapped in school or anything like that. But uh, but I was uh, the oldest. So I was all, also the babysitter and, and everything else. You know how that is. So what, what kind of work did your parents do when you were growing up? Uh, my, my father is an elect, well, he was an electrical engineer, um, worked for IBM for years. Uh, and my mother was uh, a teacher. And, and when you were growing up, what kind of role models were your parents and what kind of, what role did they play in your lives in your life? So it, it's, it's interesting that you say that because, um, you know, they are very focused on higher education and very focused on, uh, careers that. Uh, they knew as important, for instance, engineers, doctors, uh, lawyers, those those kind of uh, very, uh, I guess, uh, standard type top tier professional uh, um, careers that, that that they were aware of. Um, and so they their focus was always on education, on doing well in school, on trying to uh, do as well as you can professionally. And then what was it like with your relationship with like your brothers? Did they have kind of the same? It sounds like you, there was a lot of pressure on you to, 
to go into those professions in the future. What was the pressure like for you? Were you getting were you getting good grades growing up? Your your brothers as well. Yeah, I, yeah, I was I was definitely getting very good grades. Um, there was a lot of pressure on me, and I think just in terms of parenting in general, um, you know, you're you're usually stricter with the oldest, and um, and then kind of like you you get beaten down or you just get tired, and you're not as strict with the with with the second and third, fourth, and and so so forth. So um, you know, my my brothers did well. And and I think they kind of grew into it eventually, and into uh, learning and and uh, and education. Uh, they actually applied themselves later in I think in college more than they did in high school. Um, and uh, but I, I kind of like really tried to apply myself as much as I could in high school, and I guess in college as well. I I, I did well enough. Yeah. And how? What was? Did you play sports? And what kind of activities were you involved with when you were growing up? Sure. I, I, uh, I loved playing, uh, soccer football. You know, uh, I, I played for most of my life and I actually still play now, except I took this, this half season off just because I, uh, I have, a, a an injury I'm dealing with, but, uh, I've been playing even, you know, in, in over 50 league now. Um, I used to play a lot of basketball, but I was getting injured quite a lot in basketball. Um, it's just, the, the, the stop and start of movement, uh, was really killing my back, um, and, and my ankles and so forth. But, um, I didn't do that. I started martial arts later in life. I actually started, uh, doing, uh, karate, um, in my, uh, early forties, late thirties, early forties, and then into jujitsu only nine years ago. And then in high school, did you have an idea in high school? What, what you wanted to do in terms of college, because it sounds like your parents had a certain plan for you. And yeah. it, it doesn't necessarily match it with your plans, but did you just like, what were you thinking that, like, you know, after high school, I want to go study this. And what was that process like for you? So, so, so it's interesting because I, I wanted to help people. I wanted to um, have a positive impact on people. So I thought, okay, I should be a doctor. Um, and the first year of, um, of school, my first semester, I took chemistry and I realized I hated chemistry and chemistry actually hated me more. And so I, I, I quickly dropped that class, dropped out of uh, pre-med entirely. Um, and I, I reflect back on that because I do remember the, the, the feeling that I wanted to help people. And I do remember also on one of the college essays, back then you actually had to write out the college essays. Um, you couldn't fill them out online. And it talked about something that I was passionate. It said a question about what's something that you're passionate. And I remember answering it with dancing. And I explained how I felt when I danced and what that made me feel. Um, and my father was so angry that I actually answered the question that way because he thought it was an, a stupid way to answer questions, which in retrospect, it is not the probably the best answer for that kind of question. That's not what they're looking for, but it is how I felt. And I really wish that I, I might have reflected on that a little bit more in terms of, hey, this was your first natural answer to a question about what makes you what's passionate in your life. Um, and I and I didn't. Um, so I kind of look back and reflect on that now. And I said, you know, it was always there. It was always there. I just wasn't open to hearing that message. And so do you, you, when did you start dancing? Like when did you, was this in high school or you were elementary school? When did you start? No, it, was, it, was pro, it was 11th grade of high school. Um, I, I was at a teen club. We had teen clubs back then. And, um, and I just, I loved hearing the music and I was so shy. I just kind of snuck on the dance floor down in a corner and just kind of like started 
dancing by myself. And ever since then, I just became much more comfortable with it, addicted to it. I never trained. I kind of always learned on my own um, and tried to figure out, you know, what worked for me, what didn't. Actually, I do a lot of that with jujitsu as well. I try to find out what works for me, what my 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 movement type and 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 so forth. And then um, and then I try to incorporate that into my overall dance uh i, I guess moves I, I don't even know what to call them right i i can't i people ask me can you can you teach me i said i don't know how to teach it because i just do it and it's like one of those things so when you're in college what made you decide on accounting like you had other options like how did you how did you kind of get diverted to that yeah so i was searching for something after i dropped uh pre-med as a major i was i was searching for something and i i I was getting nervous because once you once the clock's ticking in college, you're like, okay, I'm spending this money or it might, it was University of Florida. So it wasn't that much, but still, I just had that kind of guilt that I was, I need to find something. I can't just sit. And I took an accounting course and I understood it. So then I was like, okay, I'll do it. And then 30 years later, you know, I kind of, I ended up in a career kind of doing a lot of that. And when you finished your um, degree in accounting, did you go directly to your master's degree? Yeah, it was a program. Uh, it was a combined bachelor's and master's program. So it was just five years for me, five and a half, five and a half years straight of uh, of doing that, and then come out with a master's. And then when you were done your master's, what was your, what was your first job? Did you go directly to Pfizer? Uh, no, I went to uh, Ernst and Young, and uh, so I was at Ernst and Young for like three and a half years. Then I went to Cargill, and I was an internal auditor with Cargill for a while. That's when I really started to travel. Um, and I wanted to, but I was only traveling to South America, mainly to Central and South America then. And I really wanted to travel more broadly. So then I, uh, I was able to take the, a job with Pfizer, an internal audit there uh, out in New York. And that's when I got to travel the world. And what was that like for you? Did you enjoy, did you enjoy the, working in accounting and was it fulfilling for you? And I know you were talking, you talked about traveling the world. I know that must have been an amazing part. And that was a great part. Of it. So, so what did you learn at Pfizer about yourself? And then what did you learn when you traveled? Sure. So one, one of the things is um, in accounting, I was, what I was mainly doing was auditing. And the, the, the great thing about it is it allowed me the flexibility to see the world and see a lot of different aspects of the business and, and so forth. The, the bad thing about it is nobody likes to see an auditor. Right. When an auditor walks in, everyone's like, yeah, you, you see that expression on their face. You're the, always the bad guy. Um, and I, I, it's just part of the job, but it also is not fulfilling in the sense of what I was trying to achieve. I want to have a positive aspect on people, a positive impact on people. And, and here I am walking in the room and I see a visual negative response. And, and I know it's probably they don't mean it, but I, I understand it. So um, that, that kind of bothered me. The, the other aspect that kind of bothered me out of it is that we were continuously reorganizing uh, our, um, our group and I had to uh, enact a lot of layoffs um, within our group uh, for, the, for the fact of really just kind of cost reduction. And that really grated on me after a while because it's never fun. Uh, those people usually ended up in a much better place, but at the same time, it's not it's not fun to constantly be fighting for people's jobs and then losing part of that battle and then having to let them go. Yeah, that 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 must have been a difficult time for you. And how did you get through those times? Um, well, 
I, I think part of it is knowing that most of these people are going to end up in a better position. And when I say a better position, I don't necessarily mean that professionally, but I, I mean that usually, um, you know, just personally and emotionally. And um, because usually what, what is happening is that the environment that they were in wasn't the best environment for them at that point in time. And so they're probably in, in a, a lower stress environment, um, sometimes better pay, better commute, but something, something usually works out to their benefit. And um, that, that was important to, to understand and see the history of that because I knew that there was a good chance that that would happen with them. So as I'm letting them know, I, I, as I had to let them go, I always knew in the back of my mind that they were most likely going to end up in a better place. And at this time, when did you get married? When did your wife and kids come to, into play? Were you, uh, sure. at some point, all this came together. Um, was that additional pressure? Because now you're in a work environment where people are getting laid off. And now at some point you were married and had kids. So I, I assume that that gave you some additional pressure. It does. Um, you know, when, when you don't have uh, a family to support, um, then it, your life choices can be a lot easier. Um, and when you do have a family to support, all of a sudden you, you do feel a little bit more locked down in terms of the options you might have. So that always played a, a role in the back of my head as to, okay, do I need, you know, or can, what, what can I do? What can't I do? And, and, and my, my options definitely felt much more limited. Uh, and, you know, and it kind of locks you into a lifestyle, whether you like it or not. Uh, so when did you meet your wife? Uh, was this, had you been working for a few years and, and then? Yeah. So I, I met my wife back in maybe 2000. I, she'll, she'll kill me if I don't remember exactly. But um, so the, the, the funny thing is, and, and I've told her and I tell people this all the time. Um, I was, I was not mature enough for a relationship for, you know, a, a serious relationship uh, in my twenties uh, for the most part, I, I needed time to mature. And I, and I realized that, you know, even then I realized that. And so it was kind of uh, like around when I was 30 ish that that I met her it was we were set up. It was a blind date. Um, and it, it it was just I don't know, it, it just worked out very well. The timing of meeting her and and also, you know, my my where I was in terms of maturity uh, and, and where I was in life that that it all worked out. And then when did you guys have kids? Uh, we had kids about after a year and a half of marriage. So, um, yeah, we, our first child we had in, uh, tw 2003. And what was it, what was it like? How did it change your life when you had kids? Um, again, it was more responsibility. <laughs> so, I mean, it was great in, in a way, you know, it, it's wonderful having uh, children because it's a different life experience, but you also are trading something for, for that life experience. The interesting thing is now we're getting that what I traded originally, I'm getting it back because my kids are, are older. They're 19, 17. So my wife and I just went to uh, Mexico for 10 days. I, I had a, I went for a jujitsu camp. She came with me and then we stayed for a little bit longer. It was in Oaxaca. And um, and so we left the kids here by 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 themselves, you know, so it's like we're getting back to that freedom that we didn't have. But um, but it's just a different is a trade off of experiences. And let me ask you this, uh, as a parent, what do you think being a parent taught you? I mean, what kind of experiences and 
what are some life lessons you learned out of that? Well, it's it's interesting because I I um I, I think you 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 try to apply what you learned growing up, and um you what you learned from your parents, and not everything is a positive necessarily. Meaning, um you know I learned some things that my parents said that I thought were really good. I learned some things from my parents that I would probably not do. And so I'm, I'm constantly trying to refine how I, I approach. So it's interesting because I'm trying to look at it from my perspective now of looking back, right? When, when I was a child and say, okay, now if, if I am do this as a parent, what impact will that have on them now and in the future? Uh, so it, it becomes a little bit of a puzzle. And then when they're teenagers, just, I, 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 I don't know really how to handle it <laughs> sometimes, you know, they're just, cause they're just so can be so different, but um, no, I, it's, it's wonderful being a parent, but uh, it's just like in marriage, it takes work and, and like, you know, it, 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 it takes work and it, it's, it's, I know that that phrase is used quite a lot, but you have to put an effort into it and you'll get something from it, but it's not like work in a negative sense, but you, you have to put effort. And then your transition, like you said, you, there was a point that uh, Pfizer was, uh, was downsizing. Can you talk about that a little bit? And you, you and I spoke about this uh, uh, prior to the interview a little bit. And if you can tell sure. me how, how that all transpired and just kind of your feelings and stuff that, that were going on with you at the time. Sure. So uh, just kind of tying it back to the fact that I entered this career of accounting and auditing um, because I needed to find a major and I need to find a profession. Um, there wasn't really a passion behind it. Um, but 30 years later, I, you know, the, I had I, been doing that for, you know, as my profession. Um, and it was a, a point where I was forced into this reorganization. I was laid off that it opened my eyes to the fact that I actually hadn't really been enjoying what I'd been doing for those 30 years. Uh, I, I had been, um, a high functioning sleepwalker. And that's a phrase that I, I found, uh, described in a, in a book called station 11, which was basically, I was each day I was working, you know, maybe looking forward to just the weekend coming up. And each week I was working, looking forward to the, the three, four weeks of vacation that I might have a year. And just kind of living that life of waiting, 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 um, as opposed to really enjoying the, the, the time I was spending even at work. Um, and it wasn't until I was forced into a position to open my eyes that, that I, I was able to do that. Um, because I probably would have been working for another 10 years, at least. And the reason for that is because, um, and, and just to step back just a second. I, I am lucky to be in a position where I can retire or I can have other options at this point in my life. So I, I am very fortunate to be in that position. Um, but I also never looked at my retirement as when can I retire? When's the earliest I can retire to do something else? I always looked at it. Okay. I, ex I assume I'm going to need to work until I'm like 60, 63 or something like, because that's what people do. Right. And I never looked at it from the perspective of how soon can I start doing something else? And I was forced in that role into that position. And the past year and a half since I've been laid off has been the best year and a half 
in, in my life. And that was the best thing that ever happened to me in my life was being forced to, to be, be awake, right. To, to awaken and, and realize what, um, where I am. And, and I look at it now. Also, I look at life very differently um, because my father died probably when he was in his early 70s. So I, I just assume I'm, I'm going to live maybe until 70. You never know when you're going to live exactly, but you're going to live until you're around 70 um, or me. So that means I have 17 years left to live. And now I'm looking at it. Okay. If I have 17 years left to live, how do I want to live those 17 years? So I'm kind of looking at life a little bit differently and it's not in a morbid way. I'm just looking at it. Like I want to make the best 17 years I could possibly make as opposed to, you know, just kind of preparing myself for death. Oh, no, I, I, I totally agree. I think it gives you a different perspective on life, especially because, you know, you know, you know, cancer runs in my family as well. So it gives you some idea, at least a gauge. Well, you know, if I look at probabilities now, this is what I'm looking at. So I, I get that. And so um, I think that's something that all of us think about when we see our grandparents and parents and mm -hmm. some of the health issues they have as they get older. During this transition for you, it sounded like there must have been, was there ever a point for you that you were scared? Like, what am I going to do next? How is my life going to be now that I don't have this job that I've always kind of like been my anchor? Mm -hmm. Yeah, my, my, my biggest fear was financial, right, uh, at, at first. Uh, especially my, you know, with college now for my kids and, and, um, and just, you know, future retirement, it was financial. And once I was able to realize, okay, I'll be able to manage that. Um, you know, we might not have the same lifestyle that I had expected to do, but we'll be able to manage it. Um, I felt much better because then what it did was it allowed me to realize, okay, now you have other opportunities that you can do. And I'm still trying to figure out what that means. Uh, but it, 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 it allowed me those other opportunities. So that was the biggest fear for me. What I also realized is that I do need things to keep me occupied. Right. And jujitsu isn't going to be enough. You know, the, my, my, uh, social media uh, platform isn't going to be enough. So I'm still trying to figure out what else I can do, uh, to keep myself occupied. But right now, just for the past year and a half, I've been just enjoying the fact that I'm like liberated. And that, that's what I want to ask you, like, how did you, you got into jujitsu when you were 44? And I wanted to kind of know how you connected with jujitsu for one, but also how you deal with stress, because I know, I know probably jujitsu is part of that. But when you were going through this transition, I'm sure it was pretty stressful for you. If you can go into that a little bit. Yeah, so it's 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 um, interesting because my, my professor in jujitsu always talks about um being comfortable in uncomfortable situations and jujitsu is a lot about that. And, and if you're a, a, a new person to jujitsu, um, once you start rolling live, you start realizing, Oh man, this, this adrenaline and is like just this adrenaline dump. I'm like so exhausted after a minute or like they're in a position where they potentially could be choked. Someone has their back and they start freaking out. They, they start, you know, they, they, they don't know how to calm down. Um, and as you uh, learn more and you become more comfortable in those situations saying, okay, I know they, they have my back, but right now I'm protecting myself. I'm just waiting for an opportunity. I'm not gonna, I'm not freaking out. So it's being uncomfortable in those or being comfortable in those uncomfortable situations 
is important. Um, and so that's one of the things that jujitsu actually helped in that perspective of my life was, hey, this is a this is an uncomfortable situation. Okay, take a breath, take another breath, step back, and now let's analyze this situation from like a third person. And that really helped. And what about um what about now? What kind of things do you do? You said you're in a much better place. Why are you in such a better place now? Like, what are you doing that has put you in this better place? So one of the things that that really has put me in this better place is a realization that um, I'm actually now having a positive impact on people. So in the past year and a half uh, since I've, I've been teaching um, a few classes at, at my, uh, my professor's school. Um, and it's usually uh, classes uh, with um, an average age over 40, right? So it's a older people. And I absolutely love helping them, you know, embrace jujitsu and, and learn about jujitsu. Uh, the other uh, positive aspect I'm having on people are the, the dance videos I'm making. It seems I, it really has really, I guess, resonated with a lot of especially older people. Um, and they've reached out to me via comments, via messages, uh, emails. Um, I've, I got them to dance that day. I got them to smile that day. Um, and it, it's to me, I've never really had that kind of impact on people. And it, it makes me feel so happy inside. I can't explain it. So that being able to now look at that and say, okay, now what can I do to really continue that? And you know, either as a career or just as something that I do. So I've, I've had a couple of people reach out to me, in fact, on, on helping, um, for instance, uh, people transition into retirement, you know, those kind of things. Um, so I, I don't know exactly, but the fact that I'm now having a positive impact on people uh, really has completely changed my life. Well, let me ask you that. I was going to ask you, how did, now, how did you get into, so your social media platform is huge, uh, your, your footprint. Yeah, like you said, you've danced your whole life and somehow you've with your social media platforms on TikTok and on Instagram, like I said, it's over 800,000 on TikTok and on Instagram. Um, you're blown up on Instagram as well. So the question, I, how did you get into this? Like what, what made you say, you know what, one day did you say, I mean, were you big on, were you big on social media at all? And did you just one day say, wake up in the morning and say, I'm just going to post myself dancing on here and see what happens. So um, I started off because uh, I I just got on TikTok to see what my kids were doing on TikTok because I, I it was back when it was new and I was like what is this and then I got on there and I then I said okay I I posted one video it was just a kind of a a, a comedy video of sorts uh, and it did very well and then I started posting a few other things and then people started saying I look like Master Roshi from Dragon Ball so Dragon Ball is an anime that um. And I didn't know much about it. And there's a character on there that uh, I resemble, Master Roshi, uh, which is, he's an odd character. Uh, I struggle with his, his, uh, his character just because he's also uh, a perv. Uh, and, and so it's just kind of coming to terms with that. But then I just, I started adopting uh, cosplay in addition to dancing on there. And so my TikTok fame kind of rose with a lot of the cosplay that I do but with, with Dancing Incorporated. Um, and then when I uh, moved more over to Instagram, I've made that more just about dancing. And, um, and it 
started growing slowly at first, but then it, 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 once, once you get a couple of viral videos, then it just starts snowballing and, and that's what happened. And so I, I get a lot of people uh, reposting it or putting on their stories and, and, and that's what it been, that's, what's been attracting a lot of other people. And I, I don't, I didn't necessarily realize it at first, but when I dance, I do have a smile on my face. I do get happy. If, if I'm, if someday I'm like, okay, I haven't done a, a, a dance in a while. I'm going to do one and I'm going to record it. I'm not in the best mood. I'm kind of by the time, cause it takes me a few takes to, to get it. And by the time I like get it, I'm like already happy. It's changed my mood. So, um, it, it, it helps me actually the feeling obligated sometimes to make a video actually helps me emotionally as well. And how, how do you choose the music and do you, do you just make up the dancing as you just choose, you choose a song and then you just kind of just go with it or do you kind of have to make a routine? Uh, so I, I was never taught how to dance. So I'm not good with uh, choreography or counts. I didn't, I don't really know how to do counts even. Um, so uh, I used to just kind of, uh, and I still do uh, duets and, and use other people's choreography sometimes, but most of the time um, I find usually an old school song, uh, you know, on a playlist that I have like on Mixcloud or something. And then I've said, oh man, I remember this. And I put this on there. Uh, and and then like I also research it because they, they it's really interesting to see who sampled some of those sounds. And, and so then when I start dancing, I, it, after a few takes, I start, creating almost a choreography. I said, Oh, that looks good. So, and then I add to it and then I, Oh, I like that too. I'm going to, and then I'm going to do the spin here. So then by the last take or so, I usually have a choreography, um, but it's not a fixed choreography. So I, I kind of, it evolves. And how do you choose some of the, I mean, some of the classics you put out there, Earth and Fire and you put, you just, you choose great music. Um, and, uh, and you play, you, you have music from all genres as well. Um, how, what's your process for choosing the music or is it just kind of spur of the moment? It, it's sometimes spur of the moment. Um, I have a lot of uh, music already uh, saved uh, on there because if I hear something, I'm like, man, I remember. And I put it on my save list. And then sometimes I'm scrolling. I want to see what I want to dance to. And I have already a save list of classics or new stuff. And so then, oh yeah, this I feel like that today. You know, that's the sound I feel like today. And then I'll dance to it. And then how did you choose your TikTok and, and Instagram name? You have to give everybody those, those right, that cool. information. Yeah. So I'm not actually a boomer. I wasn't, I'm, I'm shy by like four years. Um, but I was on TikTok and when you, this is back three years ago when all the kids were calling anyone older than them boomer. So like they just kept calling me boomer. They just, so I was like, fine, just I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. So then I just, I said, okay, I'll, I'll incorporate boomer into my name. And back then I was master Roshi boomer at first. And then I said, well, let me just incorporate now into bearded boomer because at first I didn't have a, well, I, no, actually I did have a beard all, all, all the time back then, but, um, so, that, and bearded boomer sounds so much better than bearded gen, gen X. Right. So it, it's just the alliteration is, is much better in my opinion. So that's how I ended up with bearded boomer. That's, that's it. And I keep trying to explain to you, I'm not actually a boomer. But because of my white beard, you know, they, they just assume that I'm like 70. So I, I you know, I'm like, okay, I, I, I don't, I can't keep explaining it, but I'm not 70. And then, so what kind of, I was wondering, and this, this is going to be kind of an interesting question. What kind of, and people don't talk about this, what kind of, what kind of positive 
um, responses have you got? And what kind of have you got any negative responses? And how do you deal with those things? So I'm sure you get both. Yeah. And you only hear about the positive portion of it, but we know there's a negative portion to it. And how did you deal with that? Yeah. Um, definitely, there there were uh, definitely trolls uh, that that would uh, that would uh, come on and and comment. And I remember on TikTok, I was a little bit more defensive, and I would um, I would reply to the troll, um, something like that. And and um, that sometimes worked, sometimes didn't work. You know, I might reply with a video or something. And and, um, and Instagram, I I just delete them and block the person. I, I just I I I just realized that. I don't hang on to that in my head at all. And I just, boom, they're done. I completely forget about them and they have no more impact on me. Um, and so I, I, I've just resorted to that. Um, it doesn't happen that much, to be honest. Uh, but there, there is, there is a, an element of people on there who, who want to just comment a negative thing. And I don't really understand, like you take the time out to actually comment something negative. You might not like it. And I've seen videos I don't like. I, I just scroll past them. But to take the time to comment, that's like, okay, uh, I'm not, I don't want to engage with you. I don't want you in my life. So I just delete them and move forward. It's so much easier that way. And by far you get, I'm, I'm sure you get, just by the number of followers you have, because you figure, I mean, you're over a million between the TikTok and Instagram, well over a million. Um, what kind of positive feedback have you got from people? The, so the thing that I remember, it was one day that I received two messages on that day and by each by a woman who was battling cancer. One was like a uh, very late stage and the other earlier stage. And the, they told me one, one of them said that I actually got her up and danced that day. The other one just told me that I made her smile that day. And I don't know why. It was that day and why just coincidentally, it was just two people who were battling cancer. But the fact that I actually had an impact on someone's life, and this was uh, several months ago, um, it, it just, it made me feel so warm inside that I was like, my, I, I, I really feel like I'm, I'm having that kind of effect that I wanted to have when I was a teenager. And, and so it was like now realizing that I'm, I'm having so much fun with it and I do obligate myself to, uh, to, um, to make videos sometimes when I don't feel like it, because I, I, I do feel like, Hey, if I make at least one person smile, I've done, I've done good work for the day. It's, it's really interesting because I think, uh, so many people, they see, um, in social media, the, the people that have big followings are typically younger, like models and athletes. And, and you are, you're operating in a different, in a different role because you're a little older. Um, how is, how is, what is the feedback that you get from like your students, your kids? Uh, what's that feedback, feedback then for, for you? Because like, you're like a, um, your Instagram, your Instagram my, my, kids, my kids don't even follow me on, on social media. Um, you know, they, uh, their friends follow me, which is hilarious. Uh, but they don't, they don't follow me. Um, and I get a lot of eye rolling still. And yeah, they, they, I mean, I secretly, I think they might be proud. I don't know. Um, but you know, most of the older people, they love it. They, they think it's hilarious. Uh, they, they like my dancing. Um, you know, so my wife's used to it. Uh, you know, she's, 
she doesn't like dancing on camera at all, but she uh, she's supportive of me and um, she realizes it's something that I enjoy. So. And, and what do you Brazilian Jiu Jitsu students? Uh, what do they say? They probably get a real kick out of it too. They do. They do. Um, they, I mean, they they like it. All, they you know they they watch. Uh, you know they follow me. The, their their uh, their wives follow me often. Uh, some of their kids follow me, which is is hilarious. So, yeah, and it's you know because the 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 algorithm, especially in Instagram, targets uh, it probably better targets local. At, you know, from a location perspective. So locally, I have, there are a lot of people in this area who um, have seen me. Uh, and so I, I might get stopped on, on the street and, and yeah, and, and they'll say, oh, I saw you. And so, oh, cool. So. Hey, when you think about, Marco, when you think about your, um, that you're traveling, you've, you've, you've traveled 30, uh, to 35 different countries around the world. What do you think that that traveling has done for you personally, in, in 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 terms of your development and your your way of looking at the world, yeah. It, one is I I love uh, un- learning different cultures, right? Um, and and so I was able to see a lot of these different cultures in person. Um, now, you know, back I was doing it at, at a point where the internet still wasn't that huge, and social media definitely wasn't big. Um, and now you can see a lot more of it just scrolling through TikTok, through scrolling through Instagram. You could, you could, I have a bunch of people that I follow overseas. Um, and I, I follow them because they show me what the daily life is, which might be boring to them, but to me is incredibly interesting. But I got to see a lot of that and experience that firsthand. And I, I just love the little, the, the differences between the cultures, but as well as the similarities. So for me, it was just, a, a wonderful way to to kind of see that hey we're, we're all we're interrelated in many ways you know um but it, at, at the same time i love the differences and I, one of the things i really thought find interesting too even your dancing you'll you'll dance different styles and different cultures of dancing uh i know you've been to brazil we spoke about that you speak portuguese as well so um how many different styles of dancing have you incorporated into your um, so I, I, I've, I've, I've definitely done a lot of the, uh, you know, Latino styles, uh, salsa, merengue, cumbia, uh, I've done samba, uh, I've, I've tried, uh, I haven't tried fojo, which is in, in Brazil is the, the, you know, fojo. I love fojo, but, uh, I, I really haven't, um, tried that much, uh, Bangra, I was like, I've tried that. I, I'm not like, I, I admit I'm just winging it because I've never been trained on any of this stuff. So I just kind of wing some of the stuff. So, like, so no, I learned on my own. So Marco, but. no Bali funky, I, I, I assume. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, yeah, the funky, the funky is hilarious, <laughs> man. I like the old school funky. I like from Cidade de Deus, you know, the, the City of God soundtrack was Oh, that was like, for me, if I could just capture what I love most about music in Brazil and everything, it's in that soundtrack. But th- that's the old school funky. And then, so let me ask you this, and I, I know you know this is coming. You have to tell us how you got onto the NBC show. And uh, like, how did you find, how did that tra- transpire? Yeah, yeah they, so they reached out to me. And so one of the things that uh, being let go from Pfizer allowed me to do is just say yes to a lot of things. I hadn't said yes to. It's opened me 
up to two possibilities. So when people come by and they say, oh, hey, they, they, they contact me. We want you to, you know, uh, try out for this thing. And I was like, all right. So I, I, I had this talk to them. I had to send videos. I, they sent me a, a choreography I had to learn. I had to send it back and this and that. Um, so I, then they picked me and I was like, oh, this is awesome. And so that, that's how I got on the show. I, they contacted me and then I went through the whole process, but I, I, I get now a lot of requests. And one of the reasons I, I said yes to yours is because you gave me such a good background on everything. And like, I was like, I like this guy, you know, I didn't know about your podcast, but I was like, man, I, the way you laid it out was so well done. Many times people will contact me with a podcast, like podcast with Chris. Hey, we like your stuff. We want you to be on our podcast. That's it. And I was like, okay, well, I don't really know enough about you. And, and, but here you like get laid it out so well. I was like, okay. So those are the easier to say yes to than, than, than other things. And what was it like, if you can give the name of the show for people, if they want to go back and look at the show and then what was it like to meet the, 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 um, the judges, the judges are very famous. So you, I, you have yeah. to go into that a little bit. So, so, uh, is dancing with myself. That was the name of the show dancing with myself. Um, and each episode is self-contained. So they have 10 contestants each episode and that way they don't have to keep people for months or weeks at a time, like at a hotel and all that. They just have kind of people for a few days, shoot that. And then they're done. Um, uh, so Shakira was the, the, the main judge and Nick Jonas, um, and, you know, we didn't really get to meet them much. I mean, just at the end of the show, that was it. And, uh, and I just remember seeing Shakira and I said, oh, in Spanish, I told her to send hellos, manda saludos a, a Piqué, her husband or at the time. And then like a week later, they, they separate or something. It was like, it was very, it was, yeah. Uh, but, um, no, it was cool. They were, they were cool. I mean, it was, it was a great experience and that was just one experience I, I wouldn't have had otherwise. So I just hope I have more of these kind of experience. It was just fun. And did they fly you to LA? Like how did that? Oh, they, they flew me down to, uh, Atlanta, uh, outside oh. of Atlanta, Conyers, uh, Conyers, uh, Georgia, because, um, Georgia has like a huge kind of studio presence now because it's cheaper out there. So they basically flew everyone in, like all the, the people they needed from L.A. out there. And it was cheaper flying them out there, having them housed uh, out there and using the, the uh, you know, the lodging out there and then flying all the contestants in um, than then having a place out in, in L.A. So a lot of a lot of places are moving out there. Did, did any of the did any of the people that you danced against, did they know who you are? Um, some one of them. Uh, uh, her name is Smack. Uh, that's her nickname, but she goes by that Smack. She uh, did a video on TikTok once and I duetted it. Actually, I duetted two of her videos uh, and I saw her there and I was like, I was like a little fanboy a little bit, you know, I was like, oh, I, and she remembered me. So, um, but some, a couple of others, they did recognize me, but there were people there with millions of uh, followers and, you know, they were pretty big. So they, it was very smart of them to pull them all from social media because you're kind of pulling like a whole viewing audience as well with them. And Marco, have you been able to monetize this at all? Has it helped you like financially at all? Have you been able to monetize? And I know, like you said, you do this as a labor of love. So I know yeah. any, this is all extra for you, but yeah. um, have you been able to do that at all? Yeah. So it, it's interesting because, you know, TikTok and uh, Reels, I, Instagram, they will pay um, for views, you know, so there's a certain amount, but that's very minor. Um, 
I only recently just did a, a my first ad. Um, and that was something that I, was, I hadn't done before. And then they contacted me and I was like, oh, this sounds like fun. It, and it, the, one of the reasons it was also fun is because I had an objective that I needed to do with social media, but I also had the creative outlet. They gave me the ownership to figure out how to achieve that. And so that was a lot of fun um, for me. Um, now, I don't know if I could turn this into something, um, you know, uh, that that fr from a career perspective would be a career. I, I don't know. Um, but right now I'm just enjoying having the fun of 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 the interaction with with my uh, with my followers. Yeah, I think that's what makes you so um, appealing is because you have so much energy and you're doing so many great things. I mean, your dancing is amazing. You have a crazy, an amazing career. And um, and then you have your 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 fitness and your jujitsu on the side. And you're you're so successful in a variety of ways and just overcoming all you have. Um, has is, is such an amazing story to me and so i get to ask you some fun questions now sure um what is your guilty pleasure food wise oh uh i i probably have many <laughs> i mean I, I i love chocolate i really love chocolate um but in terms of like a food staple i'd say probably like picanha so the the, the meat the brazilian bar like uh grilled uh meat i think it's the top of the 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 um the the the, the steer um but it's so tasty so incredibly tasty uh but one of the ways that they make it tasty is they use like the heavy rock salt kind of like in there so it's like salted very very salted so it's probably not the best food for me but i do love some picanha yeah i i, I always tell people i the the meat is great. Uh, I can do a little, little less salt for me, but I, mean, I think the Brazilian barbecue steakhouse have become so popular. But for, I love acai too, so I can eat acai ten oh, times yeah, a day, yeah, yeah, no yeah. problem. Oh, yeah. And the acai in Brazil is a little bit better than here, so yeah. I get, I get, get really spoiled. And what is your, what is uh, left on your bucket list? You have so much going on. I'm sure that you have probably a bucket list, uh, 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 ten pages long. So uh, my bucket list is more around. Um, uh, places to travel, I would think. And I, I don't actually have that long of a bucket list anymore. I'm, I'm more or less, I'm just kind of like just flowing with wherever I'm going. I, it's, it, I don't have quite the direction that I used to have. Um, so, you know, I do want to travel a bit more to, to different locations. Like, I, I don't know why, but I haven't been to uh, Uruguay yet. So I want to go to Montevideo uh, and visit Uruguay. It's just some random location that's been on my list. Uh, and I, other than that, I don't really have that much of a buck list. I want to go see a lot, a few games at the world cup when it's here in the States. And, and that's probably it in terms of my bucket list. And, and let me ask you this. What would the older self, the older Marco give advice to the younger version of you if you could go back in time i think we had this conversation there's not anything that you take there's not anything that you regret in terms of your life experiences because that that's what made you who you are today but if you had to go back in time and and tell yourself or give yourself some, um, some advice what would that be so it, it and we did talk about that a bit in terms of um you know i ended up doing a career 30 years of something that really i wasn't passionate about and i look back in time and and i realized that when I was applying for colleges back when I was a teen, there was a question about what makes you passionate? And I actually answered it with dancing. 
And it was probably not the best answer to use. My dad thought it was the worst answer. Um, and But it was true, at least, uh, in terms of how I felt. So now I, I, I kind of look at said, could I have made a career out of that somehow, right? Or somehow about that passion? I don't know. Um, but I do feel that I, throughout my career, probably need to be, a, or my, my life, be more open to taking risks, more open to new experiences. Um, and I let myself become a high functioning sleepwalker because I, I, I narrowed the options down to only, hey, you can only do this. And so I gave myself a very fixed path. And it wasn't until I was kicked off that fixed path that I realized that I was even on the fixed path. So it's one of those things that I, I really think that I could have been more open to options. What advice would you give people if they're not in the best, best health or they want to start being more active and uh, being more engaged? What kind of advice would you give them? Uh, and, and, I, and I say this not being a professional in, in uh, the healthcare arena nor um, even the exercise arena, uh, but just little things, um, you know, help a lot. So you might not be able to do what you used to do in terms of movement, but to the point that you can, you know, if you can dance just a little bit, even just with your upper body, try, try, try dancing with your upper body. Just listening to music makes a difference. Um, you know, if you listen to music that you like, I bet you will most likely start moving in, in a way that probably you, you, do, you don't, your hands, you know, your, your head, that's dancing. I mean, just, you know, so there, there are little things that you can do that will most likely make you feel just a little bit better. Listening to the right music, it, it can change a person that dancing a little bit to it is even more so. Singing it actually has been proven to, to uh, make a difference. Now, it might not make others around you feel as good because sometimes like if I were to sing, it would just wouldn't feel as good. But still, uh, it, it's something that I think uh, I, I would just I would try. Uh, what's the best thing about being a parent? <laughs> um, I think the best thing about being a parent, to be honest, is seeing your child um, actually incorporate a, a message or a life lesson, something that you've tried to instill in them and teach them, that you see them actually do that. And the, the reason I think that's important for me is because sometimes I, I am talking to my kids and I'm trying to teach them certain things. Um, and I don't feel like they're actually receiving the message because their eyes are rolling or whatnot. But then later when I see them doing something that reflects that, it, it makes me feel like, okay, I've, I've, I've reached them and they've learned from it. And I think they benefited from that. So that's probably the, the biggest thing from being a parent. Uh, if you could meet one person, it could be anywhere in history, one person in your life um, that you would love to meet, uh, who would it be and what would you say to them? Wow. Um, that, that's, that's an interesting one. Um, I, 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 you know, you know what? I, I don't know. I, I, I guess it, it would might be like a musical artist of, of sorts. Um, uh, I'm a big fan of Prince, um, and I I regret never seeing have seen him in concert. 
so it probably would be someone like that. Um, and not, not a one particular question, but just, just these musical geniuses when, when you, I, I would just want to understand how they think. Um, and I, I, I just, they're, they're at a different level, um, that I probably wouldn't even be able to comprehend to be honest, but I think it would be like a, a musical genius who uh, is no longer with us. Yeah. It seems to me that you always have like a, a Marco, it seems to, to me you have like underlying, you're so creative. There's like this part of you that loves being creative and that you're drawn to people that are creative. And so yeah, it doesn't that surprise could, me yeah. that you say that you, it doesn't surprise me you say Prince. Um, favorite, favorite superhero and why? Oh, <laughs> I, I think Deadpool just, he's so funny, man. He's like, he cracks me up. I mean, I, 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 I just love the, the humor and it's the raunchiness. Oh, it's just, it cracks me up. And then, um, let me, oh, so, uh, what are your future goals? And then I have one question after that too. Yeah. So, um, I, I, like I said, I don't, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent on what my future goals is. I, I really want to uh, do something that I can have that positive impact. I want to try to, um, make that at a broader scale if possible. Um, I'm not sure what that means or how to do it, but I'm, I'm just considering, okay, is there something that I can translate that into a broader impact? Um, I do like the individual impact, to be honest. And if I translate it to a broader impact, I'm not sure I, I, I might lose that individual impact. And that's what I'm benefiting myself from is hearing from people. So it's something that I'm still trying to figure out. And this is a question I, I, I like to ask at the end. And I think it's a very powerful question um, and throws a lot of people off. But what do you want to be remembered for when you're no longer on this planet, no longer on Earth? Um, yeah, I, I just, uh, I, I, I just want to have fun. <laughs> so, so I want to be remembered as just trying to have fun no matter what. And I tell, I tell my kids and my, my wife that because when, especially when we go on trips or something like that, I said, I'm going to have fun. Somehow I'm going to have fun out of this. And if you don't want to have fun, just get out of my way because sometimes, you know, they, they might get into like this uh, bad mood or something. And, and I just want to plow through that. Um, and so if I'm just remembered as having fun, that's, that's okay with me because if, if, if that then will somehow make someone try to have fun themselves and really actively seek that fun, uh, I'll be happy. <laughs> yeah. It, it kind of reminds me of when you talk about the importance of play and I, that's one of the, one of the things I love about jujitsu is I remember um, when I first got into jujitsu, some of the people that I used to roll with, they say, "Come on, Fig, let's go play around a little bit." And and I and I always think of the Gracie family how how important they talk about is having fun and, and and enjoyment of play, you know. And and it it seems like that's the energy you give off as well, Marco. Is just you want to enjoy life and you enjoy playing and and yeah. that's just the joy that you have doing that. And let me ask you this. Thank, first, I want to tell you thank you so much. It's been such a, a great pleasure to have you on the podcast. And um, if anybody wants to follow you, mm -hmm. you have to. You can. You, how would they follow you on TikTok and Instagram? Sure, it's uh, bearded underscore underscore boomer. 
um, on both of them. And I'm not actually a boomer. Like I said, it's, I'm not actually a boomer, but uh, it's just uh, that's it's alliteration sounds much better than just bearded Gen X. So uh, bearded underscore underscore boomer. And I just want to tell everybody, thank you so much for joining me today. I am, like I said, this has been a, a wonderful pleasure for me to have you on, Marco. And we'll stay in contact for sure. You know, you have a friend here in California. And uh, just keep up the jujitsu. I, I, I'm a big proponent of uh, doing that forever. And awesome. uh, thank you for all you do for the community. Thank you for inspiring people of all ages to to live a life um, filled with play and, and to have fun and and, and and the great music that you're you're putting out there and great dancing. So I'm very appreciative to have you on here. And thank you so much for having me on and, and offering this uh, up for me. This has uh, been a lot of fun. Thanks a lot, Martin. Okay, thank you for everything. And I'm going to end it all, and I'll talk to you in a minute. Sure.